I'm your favorite clown from Tulsi Town, where ice cream grows on trees. So have no fear, come and join me here, and eat as much as you please. I will turn your frown fully upside down when you take your very first bite. Of vanilla, chocolate, or strawberry, we are open day and night. Hello everyone, welcome back to Reservations. We're your hosts, I'm Wayne Raylan. And I'm Jeremy Blair. Uh, Jeremy, you know war games? <laughs> you know, you know war games? You know war games? Welcome back, everyone. Uh, yes, we are doing this over Zoom again, not because either of us are sick, but in our the hometown, enti- the entire state of Texas is frozen. Yes. So uh, to avoid Jeremy or even I getting in a horrible wreck, and we never do this ever again. Uh, we're just going to be safe, do it from home. And then next week when it's warmer, we'll be back together again. Yeah. Uh, and it feels so good. <laughs> uh, so Jeremy, I, ma'am. Yeah. I, I, I am so excited to talk about this. Like, I don't think I've been this excited to talk about one of your picks in quite some time. Uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, a lot of your picks that have surprised me, um, yeah. I was ready to talk about, but this, oh my God, dude, I'm so, so excited to talk about this. Yeah. Um, if you were, if you tuned in uh, two weeks ago uh, to our Great Gatsby episode, which well, actually before that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like set like six weeks ago or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you should know what this episode is. If not, cause we did, this episode was supposed to come out last week, but uh, Jeremy abandoned me for a week. I went out of town. Yeah. Um, this is Ian Reed's slash Charlie Kaufman's I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Uh, why I say it like that is because we are going to touch on the book quite a lot. Yeah, I as soon as I thought about doing this episode, I was like, we have to do both the book and the movie. I not, neither of them, now that this movie exists, neither of them are standalone pieces. They, to me, you need both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause, um, cause when you told me very early on before you even pitched this as an episode, you know, you told me that there's things that the book answers uh, that the movie leaves vague, but then there's things that the movie answers, but the book leaves Wait, I, I think yeah, no, you, yeah, you nailed it. But, but, um, but, but yeah, you know, and and I did feel that, and there's some things that, yeah, the movie, you get an answer to immediately, or not immediately, it, it, it's more obvious in the, in the film that um, that the book, and uh, and that's part of the brilliance of the book. But the book, you know, this reveal isn't until the end of the book. Um, yeah. And the movie sort of because Kaufman doesn't say, here you go. Right. Mm-hmm. He, he wants you to piece it together, you know, and, and watch it several times. And um, where Ian Reed says, here you go. Right. Right. Um, here's here's the overall answer to, to this mystery mm-hmm. um, where Kaufman almost wants you to get it through sort of artistic interpretations, especially the ballet at the end, which uh, yes, um, which is a very Kaufman esque choice to make. Yes, um, but anyway, 
listen, let's let's go ahead and start um, with the overall story itself. Yes. Uh, so let's talk about the book. Let's talk about Ian Reed. Um, the book is, I mean, it's astounding how engaged you are when you're oh, yeah. either listening or reading it. You're just like, I need to know what's going on. Right. Abs- yeah, absolutely. You know, when we did uh, the the Great Gatsby episode, you know, I mentioned how I think I was like two, three chapters in, in the audiobook, and I was di- digging it. And then uh, off mic just now, I mentioned how I made it to like chapter 13, 14, and I, I was all in, I was sold, and I went and bought a physical copy of the book. Uh, mainly for Ashley, it was around her birthday, but also as a way for me to physically read it, because I was like, you know what, I'm I'm hearing someone read it to me, and I'm forming my own kind of images in my head. What would happen if I read it myself? And you know, so maybe later on I'll do that. But yeah, the, the book is phenomenal. It's and I did a little research on Ian Reed. This was his first novel yeah. and it's, I mean, he knocked it out of the park on his first novel. Yeah. He had done nonfiction stuff before this sort of mm-hmm. memoirish stuff. And, um, and so I, I read a couple of reviews on the book because um, I just wanted to know what the overall perception was and whatever. Right. Um, and so uh, Hannah Pickard uh, from the New York times uh, I read I read hers first, and uh, she was a little more critical of the book. She okay. liked it, but you know she was citing things she didn't like about it. One of them was being the the memoir sort of esque style of the dialogue or of the narrative itself, okay. because he's so used to doing these nonfiction stuff. He brought that aesthetic to this fictional novel, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I again, I'm not a reader. Shocker. <laughs> But I, so I don't, I didn't quite understand that critique. I, I, and I didn't understand why it was a detriment, but it doesn't matter. But um, she also put that um, the, the character's actions are just to get to the high school. Right. And I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, Neither do I. I don't because she that. was saying that everything they do is just a means to that end to get to the high school. And I, I disagree, but I think she was just, because it's so, it's such a strange story and a strange narrative Yeah, that I don't know if she's, you know, watched a lot of surrealism or if she's read some surrealism. I don't, I don't think she has. Right. Like she's never seen a David Lynch movie. Like, oh, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like these. So this wasn't strange to me. This was just, you know, it is strange, but it wasn't, you know, strange to its detriment. Right. 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 You know, like we were talking about last week, you know, about the surrealism that the book itself is already really surreal um, in terms of narrative and what our heroine is describing to us heroin slash hero uh, is describing to us. Um, you know, it's very odd, you know, that how, how she's describing what is happening. Um, you know, so yeah, uh, I, I, I agree with you that that getting to the high school, 
and especially with the movie, which I'll get to, you know, the movie. Yeah, I agree with you, dude, that it, it it's not a means, you know? It's, yeah, I don't, I didn't agree with that either. She also said that the book doesn't give enough clues to the twist ending. And after thinking about she, so she cited the sixth sense where the sixth sense, which is odd that she cites a movie for a book, but that's, that's not the issue I'm having, but uh, you know, where a movie can have visual clues, like right. oh, spoilers for the sixth sense, by the way, <gasps> watch the stupid movie. Um, Bruce Willis was bred the whole time. And so when I said bread on purpose, so when, uh, <laughs> when like they're at the restaurant and she's not talking or looking at him. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a great Nate Bergazzi quote. Uh, he's a standup comedian. He said that women give the silent treatment so much that we as an audience believe that she would just, not talk yeah, just to ignore him for a year rather than <laughs> rather than just think maybe he's not there you know what i mean yeah. so uh but anyway you know where that gives visual clues this has to give you know verbal clues right yeah and and you know with books especially with a book like this where we're yes we're relying on the the narrative to give us clues about how is this going to end um i thought the interludes did a great job with that absolutely you know like i told you the first interlude i heard i was like wait what this yeah what does this have to do with the story right you know and then again after finishing the book and really thinking about it i was like oh these these were the clues you know and i think i think halfway through one of the interludes mentions that he used to work in a lab uh-huh. before yeah. he was the custodian. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you're going to start maybe toying with the idea that the custodian is Jake. Right. Right. Um, because at that point they had already mentioned that what Jake does for a living. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, Works yeah, in the that. lab and does like the, the bio, the bio chemistry stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, Ian Reed must have either a buddy or he is himself a biochemist because like that was pretty, you know, advanced for me. I thought, you know, yeah. Yeah. Hearing about um, hearing about how they have to like manipulate the proteins and like this. this Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's nerd shit. I don't don't know. (laughs) Um, But anyway, but learn, but then I, I came across uh, Naomi. Uh, She wrote, she writes for the, the globe and mail, which is a, a Canadian publication. Which uh, Ian Reed is himself Canadian. Canadian. So um, she's the one who cites his nonfiction work mm-hmm. uh, and says, you know, this sort of bleeds into the way he's writing this fiction novel, right? Okay. Uh, she didn't say anything good or bad about it, but she's just like, this is why it's like this, right? So, so hers was more of like a neutral review? Kind of. She liked it. I mean, like, again... Um, she was well she was more positive than new york times like right well um, and i feel like new york times is a little pretentious anyway and there, i agree um i i wrote down two quotes uh from naomi Scar- <laughs> uh, from the from the globe and mail <laughs> sorry i don't know how to pronounce her last name you just gotta do like a substitute uh mrs s yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, naomi s 
uh, she, she says two things. And I loved these quotes so much that I wrote them down. Uh, the first one is we see the mise-en-scene through her eyes, meaning the, the narrator. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the course of the novel, the gaze skews um, progressively scarier. Right. Yes. Um, which is absolutely true. We, we go from this sort of, I, I mean, drama. Yeah. To when you're at the high school, it's a nightmare. Yeah. Oh right? yeah. It's dude. horrifying at the high school. And so um, the further we get, even at the parents' house, there's this overall sense of dread. Yeah. Like something's going to happen. Right. We mm-hmm. get that, especially in the film, but hang on. Mm-hmm. And, she, and then she says, um, paranoia informs all of her observations. Yeah. Uh, which again is absolutely true. Again, it, it's that overall sense of dread and this, this sort of just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Right. Mm. Um, this overall paranoia in our narrator, nameless narrator. Yes. Uh, which, even in the movie. So, which, you know, I caught on to that very quickly. I was like, we haven't heard her name yet. And there is a beautiful reason why she doesn't have a name. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, I love, you know, again, is in itself, one of the clues. Yeah. That she doesn't have a name is one. You don't know clues. her name. Now uh, I love that the, uh, we'll get to it. Then. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, all right. So I think we should probably spoil it. Yeah, we have to. Just so we can talk about it for the rest of the time is that uh, the narrator and Jake and the custodian are all the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, he never went to talk to her at the bar. He never gave her, oh, well, they talked, but they, he never gave her his number. Mm-hmm. They never saw each other again. Um, and, you know, this is sort of his what if, right? Right. The what, what if, if I in had. His head. Yeah. And I mean, this is a story of like regret, speculation, depression, loneliness. Um, He is struggling with his loneliness at this point in time. And with with his own mental instability as well, because that is also mentioned in the book and not in the the film. Yeah. In the film, and we'll get to the film, but in the film, he's just he's just more like a lonely dude. You know, uh, but in the book, yes, you know, this is clearly something that has pretty much haunted him for years that he never, never gave this girl his number. He never got to see her again. Um, Yeah. Uh, The twist in the book, as I told you after I finished it, literally left me speechless, mainly because I was listening to it at night. So Ashley was asleep. So I couldn't be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, and left me literally slack jawed. Like I sat up in bed and was just like, what? Um, yeah. And it, and it's, you know, and it's, it's very beautiful in its, in its sadness that this, that this was his, that the title and the thing are, our narrator has been saying the whole, the whole book. I'm thinking of ending things. It's not about the relationship. It's about. Right. And so every time I would mention it to someone, uh, you know, I'd be like, Oh man, have you seen this movie? I'm thinking of ending things. Like, what is it about suicide? And I would have to stop. And I go, 
no no. <laughs> I, I would lie and i would say no she's thinking of ending the relationship with her boyfriend and that's all i would say well and um, uh and the trailer for the movie does a really good job of making you think of uh this like surrealistic drama thriller that that's all what it's about yeah and when the movie was first announced this is like a year ago when they were like hey kaufman's making a new movie and then you know i got really excited and i was like oh and they're like it's a horror film i was like really that's really interesting i i think they moved away from that uh that term or that label after a while because it really isn't a horror film yeah which uh, it's a mystery it's a thriller it's psychological but i wouldn't say it's a horror film which is um that's kind of something i want to talk about just really quickly okay yeah and then uh so like we mentioned or rather you mentioned you know the book takes this dive into horror especially at the high school um when, when i got to that part in the audiobook i was out with the dogs late at night yeah literally looking over my shoulder yeah i'm so terrified not only for our narrator but how ian is his use of words it was was genuinely terrifying um and that's kind of something that i appreciated that kaufman didn't do for the movie no kaufman went a completely different direction which i when 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 she interacts with the janitor that's when i was like she's not running she's not she's not scared right and as that scene progresses I was like, oh, he nixed that whole horror element, which I actually really liked. I was really worried. I was like, man, no, like that's what made that good. But then after the whole ballet sequence is over, I was like, okay, actually that worked so much better. Yeah. Um, Yeah. For a visual thing. Yes. And for a Kaufman thing. So, I mean, if nothing else, you knew it was going to be sort of this strange ride mm-hmm. as soon as Kaufman's name's on it. You know, you're like, oh, okay, well, then it's going to be weird. Let's go, you know. Yeah. Um, but he kind of, you know, he interpreted this story in such a different way that not only are their conversations in the car different, um, yeah. I mean, completely different. I think yeah. the movie Especially- opens verbatim from the book. Mm hmm. But then it starts to skew after that. I will say some of her narration, if I'm not mistaken, is directly quoting the book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there are conversations in the car, both car rides, the way there and the way back. Right. Completely different. Um, I mean, I asked you, like, how how faithful is the adaptation? And I would say it's a very faithful adaptation. I would say it is extremely faithful. It's just through different lenses. Right. 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 Um, you know, such is why I, I, I think that these things aren't standalone on like, let's say I don't want to read the book, so I'll just see the movie. Like that. No, not with this one. Like, so I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm going to disagree okay. Um, because I really wanted Ashley to watch it with me last night. And she was like, no, no, no. I want to read the book first. I'm like, trust me, Jeremy assures us that it doesn't matter. watch the movie. And then you can read the book. And she was like, no, no, no. It, it's just a thing that I have. I want to read the book first. And I was like, all right, not a big deal. So I watched the movie 
And when it was over, I looked at her and I said, no, read the book first. Not because I didn't dislike the movie, but they're like I mentioned at the beginning, Kaufman makes more obvious clues. And I was like, if she reads the book first, these payoffs will make more sense. See, I did the opposite. So uh, when this movie came out on Netflix, I watched it the day it came out, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you I was would like, shut wow. up about it. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I, this movie, this story, it's almost like it was made for me. I love this stuff. Like this is perfect. <laughs> and so I was like, this is it. Guys, this is a great movie. This is my favorite movie of the year. And, uh, and then my buddy, Zach, who also watched it, read the book for, or listened to the book first. And he goes, bro, listen to the book. You know, you know, your speculations can stop once you listen to the book. And we agreed that it's fine either way. Either way. Um, It's a little, obviously it's a little different, um, he got to see an interpretation of a story that he had the answer to. Mm-hmm. And I got an answer to the film that I saw. Right. Right. And so again, there it's a little different there, but we both agreed that, I, you know, they are companion pieces. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying like, so for me personally, I, I could have done either way, but I think for Ashley mm-hmm. and how she is, uh, I think reading the book for her would be better mm-hmm. first, because like I said, there are, you know, there are certain payoffs that Kaufman does that if you understand the material first, then those payoffs will, will, in my opinion, feel better. And I, and I can agree with you on a couple of things on that. One of them is the caller. Um, the caller yeah. is a bigger character in the book. <laughs> and is mentioned and is discussed in the movie. And we can hear a little bit of the voicemail in the very, very beginning Mm -hmm. uh, when uh, Jake slash the custodian is looking out the window of that apartment building, Mm -hmm. which is not where the custodian lives. Yeah. Um, And it's, you know, you can kind of hear it faint in the background or, you know, being, also played against the the score and the narration and so if you read the book you'd be like oh i know what that is yeah yeah and and you know and something else too i feel like kaufman did with that opening shot because speaking of the caller you know we never got her her story of the man at her window when she was a little girl oh yeah so i feel like kaufman was using the custodian looking at her from that apartment window as yeah. kind of both. Right. He's, he's melding things mm-hmm. together. Um, and again, this is his interpretation of the source material, which um, this sort of story, you know, benefits from a sort of strange off kilter uh, interpretation, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. So, so Jeremy, Yes, sir. You want to talk about the movie now? Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, we've already been, but like, I feel like now we can really kind of... That's cool. I just got to switch pages. Hang on. (laughs) Got it. We're good. Um, So, I I love the movie. Uh, Yeah. Did you see my messages on our uh, our thread? 
uh, yeah, I did. I woke up and I was like, oh my God. Because <laughs> I, I, I apologize, everyone. Uh, that is that Alex. Was, that was Alex. And it was for me. So I'll have to read that later. Yeah. Uh, something about Breaking Bad. Oh, great. Okay. Um, I'm the one who knocks. Uh, <laughs> I, loved, I loved the movie. The movie was beautifully shot, um, beautifully yeah. acted. Um, and something that I loved is and and you know now this being our second Kaufman movie um I guess something that Kaufman really does well is we really feel how awkward her and Jake's relationship is yeah you know in the book you know we get these these clues that things are still very awkward right now especially with her wanting to end the relationship yeah but Kaufman really cranks that awkwardness up to 11 so when she's yeah. in the car, I'm just like, ooh, I can feel the tension, yeah. you know? Uh, and then, you know, that awkwardness continues when they get to his parents' house. And I would say that's where a good chunk of the surrealist stuff happens. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the parents' house because really nothing besides the swing set, nothing truly is strange about the car ride. Yeah, I guess besides the tone, right? Mm. Um, as soon as his dad, um, we we go from a shot of him. It's a two shot. It, it's him and Tony Collette, right? Mm. Uh, this is David Thuith. Uh, David Lupin T from uh, Harry Potter. Yeah, Lupin. Uh, he was also in Anomalisa, which is uh, the last Kaufman film that we did last season. Mm. Um, uh, we we might do a Kaufman movie every season. I anyway, never. So. <laughs> Um, as soon as we cut back to the girlfriend mm-hmm. and he is 30 years younger, I was like, here we go. I, I, what is happening? You know, I was thrilled. Oh, when, when they, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we're going to be playing with, with time and, and perception and, oh, I love this. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that. You know, they're down the stairs and he, he's clearly older, white hair. Yeah. And we cut and they're all waiting for her in the dining room. And yeah, he's 30 years younger, brown hair. The only thing that stayed was the Band-Aid on his head. Yes. And the Band-Aid the is mentioned in the book. Uh, but Kaufman played with it a little bit and it has it changed places. Mm-hmm. Um, has it disappear, right? Uh, not the only thing. I mean, the dad isn't the only thing that changes, right? Um, yeah. The girlfriend's clothes change. It took uh, me a second to catch that, but then I was like, wait, wasn't her sweater orange when they got And there? then when she's wearing the pearls, you're like, oh, okay, she's wearing different clothes. You know what I mean? Which, which I really liked because, you know, in the book, the narrator says the mom had changed clothes. Yeah. Almost out of nowhere. You know, so I love that Kaufman use that but for the girlfriend and so my my original interpretation of that was um was when she was saying in the very beginning and in the book that she's feeling nostalgic about her relationship with jake Mm -hmm. that this nostalgia you know, is also felt at the parents' house with them being older and 
they're being younger and right time seems to to ebb and flow right right which that was my original interpretation now i could say that not that that's wrong but maybe it's sort of a my kind of strange interpretation of we need to talk about kevin and his t-shirts uh okay go ahead that jake in his in his mind now looking back trying to piece this narrative together of what if i had brought that girl home Mm -hmm. how old were my parents back then right uh was my mom sick yet Uh, didn't my dad have a band-aid how old was he what is going on there right yeah and so it it could be just uh you know him sort of you know, falling apart mentally, trying to piece this together. You know, I'm kind of glad you say that because I, sorry, everyone. I have a similar kind of um, interpretation as well mm-hmm. uh, with the scene in the car mm-hmm. where they're parked outside the high school. And in the book, I actually appreciated that there was no sex in the movie. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, in the book, they're very obviously about to have sex, but then... In the movie, they don't. Um, but we get this really cool shot of the janitor looking through a hole at them. And then Jake, that's when Jake freaks out. Because in the book, Jake is saying that, like, there's someone looking at us from the window. Right. Um, so my interpretation of that is that his, in his mind, he's almost given these characters in his mind, a younger version of himself and the girl that he wanted such almost like free will that younger Jake doesn't want older Jake peering in on, on this. Okay. Cause you know, if you notice, we get that flash of him looking through the hole Mm -hmm. and Jake goes from zero to 10 like that. Yeah. Like what a pervert. Like I know that look, because that would be his look, you know, right. and and how it almost seems out, you know, to come out of nowhere, you know, and maybe I'm just reading too much into it. <laughs> no, I don't think that's possible in a Coffin film. Um, <laughs> to read too much into it? Yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, I see what you're saying where he is almost having his, his fantasy turn on him, mm-hmm. right? Um, almost as as punishment for even you know considering any of this, right? Right. Uh, I could see that. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, because like that's something about the movie I really appreciated is that you know, like 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 I've been saying, you know, Kaufman does give us more obvious clues that Jake is the janitor, that none of this is real, um, that this is just a story in his head you know, with, with subtle things in Jake's dialogue, you know, I see these kids. Okay. I wanted to talk about that specifically because that is, it's almost like you are, you're, you're constructing a narrative. Like you're telling a story. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're telling a story about you in high school. Right. But you accidentally make an observation of that you would have right now, right. Mm -hmm. In the story. And that's what he's doing. So he, 
at least my interpretation was he is telling the story about him as you know in his late 20s early 30s but having a thought and an observation he would have at 60 yeah right seeing these kids out and about from old um oklahoma shows right mm-hmm. um i really liked that that was a, that's a very old man thing to say right yeah. coming from an old man myself i i feel it you know yeah because uh, you know jeremy's secret uh secretly cormac mccarthy everyone you can't prove it so uh, we've never seen you in the same room together so ah, that's not true same as um, burger king you know, that's true. He's right there. Eric Cormick. Now, you want to sit there? That's fine. So, it's like the whole janitor thing from Scrubs. Like, see, that's a real handshake, a brotherly handshake. And it's clearly like a woman's hand. Like, <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, but I like that you you clocked that that line of dialogue and that sort of exchange is strange. Yeah. Right? And, and, you know, and, and, <sighs> The movie, like I said, the movie is just, it's so good, you know, and having the context of listening to the book first Mm -hmm. helped. And of course I knew what was going to happen. I knew like, okay, like from the get go, I knew the janitor and Jake, they're the same person, same as the girl. They're they're all the same people. Right. But the, the twisty twist compared to the book even though the book is great, I feel like it's, it, it is a bit of a gut punch because uh-huh. Ian in great detail describes him killing himself yeah. with, a, with a, a coat hanger. Um, and as for this one, it's, you know, he's about to do it, but I like that it was a, not necessarily an off screen death, but like, you know, he's about to do something. Um, but rather than show us, you know, we, we get this great monologue between him and, uh, Oliver Babish at, you get it. Stop it. He's Oliver Pratt's the pick. Yeah, Uh, I got it. (laughs) Yeah. Oliver Pratt. I love Oliver Pratt. (laughs) Uh, Jeremy is a West Wing fan, everyone. And, uh, I love West Wing. And you just watched the movie with Martin Sheen in it. Yes, I did. We'll talk about it at the end. Anyway. Uh, anyway, but it, you know, it just, the ending of the film isn't as, as hard hitting. Like it's still, it's still a fantastic ending to the movie. Yeah. But like, but you know, like I said, with the book, it's, it's a gut punch. Like, like, Oh shit. He just killed himself. Yeah. Uh, and um, the movie, it's almost like a, just kind of like a send off, like saying goodbye to this, this person, you know? Yeah. And in sort of a really strange, surreal way that, uh, and I should have wrote it down. It's called something. It's one of the late stages of hypothermia. Oh, it's, um, paradoxical undressing. Boom. Where it tricks your body into thinking you're overheating. So you take off all your clothes. Right. And so that's what that was supposed to be is him. Um, it's almost like he's still in the car or still in the truck or something. Mm-hmm. And he takes off all his clothes. I, listen, I don't, you know, again, it's this sort of Kaufman-esque sort of strange thing that's going on. Yeah. Um, Especially with how they end the movie. Yeah. <laughs> with so, the monologue from A Beautiful Mind. Which I yes. love. Uh, a Beautiful Mind 
it is uh, one of the posters in Jake's room mm-hmm. um, in his childhood bedroom. Uh, it's marked on the door. You'll uh, see. That. And so, and so I think obviously that was deliberate. Uh, it also plays in the idea of this, you know, he has mental instability. So he sees himself comparable to uh, John, John Nash, Nash. which yeah. uh, the a beautiful mind uh, for sure. A future episode. Yeah. Uh, love that movie. Um, I think uh, Russell Crowe, of course, Russell Crowe, I think is great in anything he does, except for that stupid ass horror movie he just did recently. I didn't see it. Uh, unhinged. So dumb. Mm. Um, That's so funny. Uh, yeah, and I, I like the way that it melds from A Beautiful Mind into Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? And, and and I like that it is almost like a stage performance. Everyone is in old man, old people makeup. Um, they've got like a really like uh, a really obvious, right? Like you're sort of supposed to know it's makeup, mm-hmm. right? High school production makeup, right? Right. It's brilliant. So, Jeremy. Yes, sir. You want to talk about the girl? Okay, yeah. Our uh, our unnamed. Our, or as the movie protagonist. Gets, like five different names. Yes. And so I liked that Kaufman decided we have to give her some names because the caller ID has to be her name. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, when the caller calls her, it needs to be from her number. And so when the mother calls her Lucy one of the times uh, I think we had gotten a phone call from her earlier and it's a Lucy, right? Uh, that was in the car. Uh, okay. Yeah. So the phone goes off and she looks at it and right. it says Lucy. And that was before we, she had been named, I guess. No, no, no. They did a, they did a real cuddle. Uh, can't talk real subtle way of doing it. Cause it's Jake is talking about poetry mm-hmm. and he says, you know, Woodsworth supposedly wrote all his poems for a woman named Lucy. And she, oh, that's right. And, and she goes, like me. And then her phone goes off. That's right. That's right. Uh, see, I pay attention. Good job. Um, uh, and, but I, I really like that, that, it, that it, her name kept changing. So it was Lucy and then... It's like Yvonne. Yvonne. At one then, point, she had five, I think. Then like Lucian, uh, Louisa and then... Louise, Louise, and then Amy or Ames, as he called her, which in and of itself is also a clue that because he doesn't remember her name. He doesn't know her name. Yeah. Right. Uh, She had never, you know, since they had only spoken those couple of sentences to each other, he never got her name. And so uh, I like that, you know, her not having a name in the story you know, where it's coming from her point of view for 95% of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's still kind of strange that no one's calling her by name. Right. Right. Um, yeah. As we're the book, you know, we never hear her name. We never hear any mention of a name. Right. They pretty much call her you like, yeah. you know, it's so great to meet you. Like, you know, um, I also really, really like that Kaufman made her the intellectual. Mm-hmm. Well, different types of intellectual from a painter yeah. to a quantum physicist to uh, a writer to 
a film critic at one point. Yeah, I I almost watched Woman Under the Influence last night just to be like, maybe it's important. But then at once I saw the scene again, I was like, it's just a couple of minutes. I'm not going to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I, I really like that. The, and again, like this is, again, it's all clues because he doesn't know what she does. Right. So in his mind, she could be in a quantum physicist or she could be a poet or a painter or, you know, I just, I really, I don't know. I really liked that he made her the intellectual. Right. Yeah. Not saying that Jesse Plemons uh, as Jake is dumb. No. But in the book, Jake does tend to. It, it is mentioned that he uses words she doesn't understand. Right? I was going to say he t- in the book, Jake tends to be a little irritating. Yeah, he does. Because <laughs> while I was listening, I was just like, oh, my God, dude, shut up. <laughs> um, so I really like that Jesse Plemons version of Jake is more like an everyman. Yeah. You know? He knows what he knows. Um, and how Kaufman does it for the movie is, and she says it in her narration, uh, he listens to me, he pays attention and he tries to keep up, you know? So that was something I really, I really liked that she was the intellectual, but Jake could still stand toe to toe with her. Yeah. Rather than in the book, Jake's the intellectual. She's smart, but as you said, there's certain words that she doesn't know. Oh, sorry, guys. That was my fault that time. <gasps> Jeremy, how dare yeah. you? That was Best Buy. Um, yeah. So, okay. Um, I want to talk about a couple of things that I personally don't understand. Okay. And that we can try to talk it through. Okay. The swing set. On. Oh, the swing set. The swing set. Um, I w- because it's in both the book and the movie. Yes. Where um, they are driving uh, down this, you know, rural, desolate road in the middle of a blizzard. And there is a brand new, beautifully, you know, put together swing set, uh, you know, reds and blues and yellows um, in front of an abandoned house. Mm-hmm. Why? I, so I'm going to quote you. I think in his deteriorating mind, he's trying to piece things together. Mm -hmm. But maybe when he was a kid growing up, he had a similar swing set, but then maybe couldn't remember, like, was it at a friend's house? Was it okay house? I mean, visually, it's very striking and it's very odd, right? right. Um, uh, I actually never really have given it any thought. Okay. From the book and then seeing it in the movie, I was just like, I feel like it's a bit, not necessarily a red herring, but it's kind of, it's it's sort of a red herring where like it's meant to kind of throw us off as like, wait, that is kind of strange. That, yeah, that is weird. But it never comes back around. No. So, or maybe it's just meant to get us prepared. Like, hey, things are about to get real weird. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah, because it is, it's an odd thing to see. And I really liked how, just how bright it was against mm-hmm. the, the white background of the snow and all of that. Yeah. This, uh, in the, in Kaufman's movie, of course. This, yeah, this red and blue, red, blue, and yellow swing set. Yeah. Um, 
brand new in the middle in, in front of this abandoned house. You know, that is weird. That is strange. Yeah. Um, why it's in there. Why Reed wrote it in there. I don't know. Um, I, I like the idea of it. I just wish I understood it. That, I guess that's my thing. Um, <laughs> another, the other thing I wanted to bring up, which I really liked, and I don't quite know how to interpret it is Jake's behavior around his parents. Uh, this mm. is in Kaufman's. Yes. Yes. It's just, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Cause in, in the book, Jake is just quiet during dinner, yeah. during the whole time at his parents. But in Kaufman's film, Jake almost has this sort of... He recoils, right? Like he just... I was going to say animosity towards yeah. his mom. Yeah. And just almost kind of distance from his father. You know, yeah. He yeah, Anytime his mom tries to touch him or give him a kiss, he just... And then gets angry at her when she keeps mispronounced uh miss right. uh genus Gunas, G- oh it was the um genus and genius, genius and right? genius and he finally snaps um yeah i would say that maybe that's a little bit of his subconscious leaking through okay really remembering his relationship with his parents okay and really seeing how maybe I should have been more assertive with my parents, you know, cause then they have that whole conversation about, you know, moms and how, you know, uh, you know, in the seventies, the mother was blamed for everything, you know, uh, <sighs> Once again, really didn't give it much thought. Yeah, I well, it might have been, you know, uh, especially when the parents start changing ages. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like he is having that thought about seeing the kids from past high school productions, uh-huh. right? He goes, oh, man, I remember what it was like to take care of my mom when she was sick. Or I remember when dad started, you know, having memory problems or, uh, you know, and it's it's all consolidated into this one moment that he's created right mm-hmm. um yeah because when um, yeah because when uh, i mean i'm pretty sure his mom died in that one part of it yeah she did um you know it definitely seems to be emotion you know a 20 year old jake the, this emotion that his mom just passed um so i don't know man I don't know. Okay. That's fine. (laughs) Uh, Sidebar. I read a review about the movie because I wanted to see what, because I I looked up, I like to look up Rotten Tomatoes scores and, you know, critics love the movie, which I'm like, great. You actually, we agree on something. Yeah. Uh, Critics gave it, I think it has like a certified fresh 82%. It's pretty good for a movie like this. As an audience score of 45 though. (laughs) And so I was reading some reviews on IMDb from users Oh, I read one and it was stupid. <laughs> I I read the title of one. I was like, you're an idiot. You clearly didn't get it then. And it was, I read the book and I still don't understand what's happening. That's, that's the one that's I read. The one? I, that's what I read. And I was like, well, then you didn't Then you didn't get it. it. Yeah, then you yeah. didn't read it at all because he tells you several times. Yeah. Uh, especially at the very end, he keeps saying we and it's just Jake and it's, it's always just been me and Jake, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's, you know 
listen, they didn't read it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I, mean? what, I, I think it's sort of impossible to miss it in the book. Yeah. Yeah. If you read the book, then you have all the answers. You know that the story that we've been reading this whole time is not actually happening. It's happening in some guy's mind. Right. Who, as he's the, preparing to commit suicide. Yes. Uh, with in the a, janitor's closet. With a, yeah, with a, uh, with a hanger. Oh, God damn. But, um, but yeah, you know, and it's, I think that's sometimes the problem with, well, not problem. I wouldn't say problem with just with surrealist movies that people, I think people have a hard time discerning, you know, real from surreal. Yeah. Like I know you had just gotten uh, Eraserhead. Yes. I'm going to uh, watch that Criterion. Yeah. Right there. Right there. Right there. Oh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna watch that soon. That deliberately doesn't have answers, right? And Good. And, and David Lynch doesn't answer questions. And yeah. so when when you see something like a racer head and you're sort of confused by it, I think a you know mainstream audiences get angry at that. Yeah. Where people like myself it get it's the joy of trying to figure it out, like mm-hmm. or have an interpretation at all. Right. To me, that's the fun part is, is watching it and be like, I have no idea what just happened, but here's what I think happened. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and, and thanks to the podcast and thanks to you, I'm slowly becoming that as well. Uh, you know, I can't, I'm can't wait to watch Eraserhead. I can't wait to um, finish watching Brazil. Too. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I'm right at the part where things are about to get super surreal. Yeah. Um, and you know, and and even though I had all the answers going into this in this into this movie, I was still like, uh, but wait, what? Yeah, um, again, it's it's a different interpretation of the source material, which mm-hmm. uh, instead of you know, we do have all of these car rides, which is you know, two thirds of the movie is in the car. Yeah, I think I think someone tracked it. I read like the trivia on IMDb. It's like in total 40 minutes of the film is all car rides. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty substantial amount of time. Yeah. Right. We do spend Mad Max where it's the whole film. Right. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Right. We're comparing this movie to Mad Max is what we're doing. Uh, In our level, George Miller. In in terms of, is it like Mad Max? It's pretty close. Um, (laughs) Just off by like an hour and a half. Welcome back to our podcast how close is it to Mad Max? Okay, this is why I think uh, <laughs> oh 12 God. Angry Men is like Mad Max. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but anyway, yeah. so we're, and we're with them the whole time. No cuts to anything else. We are, we're with Jake. We're with the girlfriend the whole time. There are some interludes to the janitor in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, in that car ride. Um some some in the end some in the second car right like when he's saying like you know you know i see these kids who are ostracized you know and he's walking in the hallway mm-hmm. past i'm assuming the girl who ends up making the uh, the burrs oh uh which I, which we'll talk about here in a second um but yeah yeah but even with the second car but the, with the second car ride it's more them no interviews. Yes. Um, and then they go to Tulsi Town. Yes, uh, which 
Tulsi Town is so strange. So it's pretty close to the book in terms of what happens. What happens. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Again, screw you, Dairy Queen. Um, We don't need you. Okay. I like Uh, blizzards, though, Jeremy. I know. Uh, Don't you do? I do think, because I watched it last night. I think she even turned it upside down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Did yeah. she? Okay, cool. I yeah, feel fuck like you, was, Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Coffin was like, fuck you guys. We can do it too. Well, he also did a fuck you, Robert Zemeckis, but we'll get there. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we have to talk about that. But anyway. That made me laugh so hard. I had to pause the movie. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> anyway, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the book, after they leave Jake's parents' house, and they have this really deep conversation about. Is this where they mention his brother in this one? Yes. 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 The brother, which yeah. I'm, I'm glad Kaufman cut that out too. I felt like that was a little unnecessary. Well, and it it's used for us at the end of the book, but Kaufman yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't have needed to use it. Yeah. Because um, he was going to give us more visual clues right. anyway. And so they, they stop at a dairy queen and the girlfriend is lactose intolerant, which is another thing I'm kind of glad he cut out. Because it doesn't uh, matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, and so they order two... Like frozen lemonades? Yeah, I didn't even know Dairy Queen had those. They probably don't. Um, and, uh, you know, it's a very weird interaction. Two, two of the workers are giggling the whole time. And, it, it, you know, in the book, it's very weird. You know, it's very awkward, very weird. But as we were talking about off mic, Dairy Queen apparently is uh, discriminatory. <laughs> yeah, they they didn't want their their brand associated with someone with open sores on their arms. Um, but hey, uh, Marvel, you want to give us money? Cool. Because, you know, yeah. there's a Dairy Queen in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, of course. Um, um, but yeah, so when, I, when they first mentioned Tulsi Town... Uh, because you see it on a billboard. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, we're not gonna have Dairy Queen in this. And honestly, it doesn't matter. No, it works to his favor because yeah, it doesn't exist. So, uh, it's sort of another strange thing that's sort of out of the ordinary. That and and the interaction is almost exactly yeah. right off the pages in the book. Yeah, I mean, to the part where she apologizes for the smell because they're revarnishing in the back. I mean, that's verbatim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Cause then, cause then they order the burrs, which would be the blizzard. Um, and because they got rid of the, the lactose allergy, you know, she, then she turns them upside down. <laughs> it's yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's funny. Uh, good, good for you. Uh, Charlie Kaufman. We're sticking uh, to his guns. Yeah. And you know, I, I liked that they also, you know, sort of used these, this, you know, point in the story to get to the high school. Right. It's the, I don't want it to be sticky. I mean, that's also the reason they go in the, in the book is they don't, he doesn't want the gut holders to get sticky. Which is, you know, for the movie, that's a little bit more clues. He's the janitor. Mm -hmm. Doesn't like things getting sticky. He has to clean it. Right. Um, Uh, Exactly. And so I really love the shot of all of the the burr cups in yeah, the trash can in yeah. the trash can i love that cool. i thought that was great um 
again, it's sort of like, oh man, this is weird. He's been here before. And at first I was like, is he going to like, is he like a serial killer? Is he a killer or something? Um, it ended up being that like then, obviously. You know, so since we're already on the high school, I, I want to yeah. talk about that. Cause in the book, that's where I feel like Ian Reed takes us from the psychological thriller to straight up horror. horror. Yeah. Very terrifying. Um, she's trying to find Jake uh and the janitor's somewhere in the school and so she thinks she's about to get killed you know the doors mysteriously are chained and locked yeah she finds jake's wet clothes but no jake um and then it's not until she kind of has the moment where she finally understands oh this is i'm a part of someone else's mind like this is i'm not real and right and it's like you said giving them free will or like giving them the the you know chance to question their own reality right which is interesting um which i liked obviously um i i just loved the it's sort of like in our in not inland empire that's a completely that's a great that'd be a great episode uh in our mulholland drive episode where the movie's sort of steadily strange until the last third, last fourth. Yeah. And then bam, right? That was sort of like this, right? Where all of this is very strange, right? We get to the high school and it's chaos, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it keeps jumping. We, you know, she's lost. She sees the janitor. There's a ballet. Uh, he gives a speech. The, the truck or the car is covered in snow. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the movie. But and it would, sort of happens pretty quickly. But I would say it's not as chaotic as the book, you know? Right. I know. I'd agree with that. And I think the scene where he talks to her the, as the janitor is almost very sweet. Yeah, I'd agree. Because he's, it's like he's getting to talk to her as himself for once, you know, for the first time since. Right they met and you know and it it kind of breaks your heart a little bit because it's almost like she recognizes who he is mm-hmm. you know when he hands her the slippers and she's like no 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 they're yours and i i was just like oh my god like yeah. my little heart was just like oh. oh and then the ballet scene happens which i felt was kaufman's interpretation of the horror mm-hmm. yeah i agree book. But without, without scaring the audience, well, I wouldn't say scaring the audience, but, you know, filling us with more dread right. that we've already been feeling almost kind of take like, like here, let's pump the brakes with, for you guys. This is what could be happening. Yeah. You know? But in ballet form. Yeah. Um, which I loved. I thought that was so different. Yeah. Know? No. I mean, if you want something original, you go to Kaufman. Yeah, I'm going to have to see uh, Internal Sunshine of Spotless Mind now. I think so much differently than anybody else uh, in terms of filmmaking. I would have never thought to do a ballet sequence instead of this cat and mouse chase horror sequence. Mm-hmm. Until it's revealed that like, oh, like there is no cat and mouse. You're right. literally just chasing yourself. Exactly. Um, and, and like I was kind of saying, the movie, the movie ends more of on a on a somber note. You know, because we know for sure something happened to him. Yeah. 
Um, you know, because he's walking through the school naked, following a cartoon pig. Wasn't supposed to be cartoon. I did read that. Yeah, I read that too. That uh, it was meant to be a real pig, but when Kaufman heard that pigs can't walk on mm, wet floors, wet floors, or yeah, turn their heads, they they animated it, which I actually think adds more. I agree. I really because he could he could add the the maggots and stuff underneath him. He could right, and I like the animation style they chose. I, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, sort it, of strange. He's sort of see through and yeah, and voiced by Oliver Babish. Uh, <laughs> and yep. and it, and it's he's the collar as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The movie. The movie was phenomenal. I, I I told Ashley I want to physically own it, but I know that'll never happen. Uh, yeah. I yeah, mean, for you, you know, who, who, you know, buys people who rip it and dip it. Okay. First off, they're a legitimate service. I, um, um, it, it doesn't matter. It, it, <laughs> listen, I'll send you the link. You're not because, defending yourself to me? No, because I played it last night. That was how I watched it. And it's great. It's perfect. It looks phenomenal. The 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 transfer is amazing. So. Um, but yeah, man, it just oh, I I love the movie. I was so excited to watch it, and it paid off. The book is phenomenal. I like I said at the beginning. I don't think I've ever been this excited to talk about one of your picks, which makes me sound a bit like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like I'm 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 growing more and more into the taste of the movies that you like. Yeah, I still will never watch uh, Hereditary or Midsummer, um, or Sodom. You will never get me to watch. Okay, first off, it's called Silo or the 120 care. Days of Sodom. I don't care. I will never watch it. Um, oh. Oh, man, the movie just. I don't know what else to say because the it's movie an experience. Just, you know, it's. Yeah. You know, it's strange, but it's beautiful and it's thought provoking and it's right. I mean, it's Kaufman can do no wrong. So, yeah, that's, you know, how I feel. So, Jeremy, yes, sir. Uh, would you like before we wrap up, wrap up, wrap up, uh, yeah. would you like to talk about Kaufman's fuck you to Robert Zemeckis? <laughs> yeah, because it's one of the it's once they get to the parents house, it's one of the things that changes, which is how they met right um mm-hmm. which is at that restaurant or what that diner or whatever which is from this fake movie that that the, janitor that the janitor's like eat, watching as he's eating his lunch yeah which i actually had to look up to see if it was a legitimate movie because the actress who plays the waitress uh she's in the boys and i was like is this yeah like they're both legit- yeah they're both real actors i mean these aren't like yeah yeah but i was like is this a legitimate movie so i looked it up and i was like oh no it's, it's fake no, he's just being mean, which is hilarious. So, so is there like some bad blood between? I don't know. I just think that you know, it's like I need something really cheesy and awful. Who could do that? Oh, Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> and I think it's because the last few movies Robert has done hasn't. Oh, they've been terrible. Uh, yeah, was it Welcome to Morrowind? And uh, 
What's that one that Joseph Gordon-Levitt did where he's... The, the walk, where he's yeah. uh, walking to... Right, right, right. Um, he also did, like, the Christmas Carol. He also did Polar Express. Let's not let him off the hook, all right? He's okay, done... But here's the thing, though. Polar Express, that's a good movie. That's a good Christmas movie. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> that's not true at all. But we can't... We can't fully give Zemeckis shit because, I mean, he gave us Back to the Future. Yes. We got that Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and we got that and, Castaway. Listen, I understand. Well, right. and I knew you were gonna go, gonna go to something else besides Forrest Gump. Oh yeah, I don't like Forrest Gump. That you much, un-American but... piece of shit. <laughs> it beat Shawshank for Best Picture. It's ridiculous. It's a great fucking movie. I, I don't have time to explain this to you right now, but you're wrong. We have all the time in the world, apparently. Ugh. Um, but no, yeah, so. So when that popped up, directed by Robert Zemeckis, I laughed so hard. <laughs> I literally had to pause the movie so I could stop laughing and so I could pay attention again. Because um, it was, yeah, because it, it is sort of mean. <laughs> it is because because the movie, if this was a legitimate movie, that would be such a shitty ending for it. Yeah. So everyone, so let me paint you a word picture, everyone. I mean, you, hopefully you've seen the movie by now. Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you should have stopped listening a while ago. But if you have, and you just need a refresher of what we're talking about, let me paint you a word picture. Uh, the janitor is watching a movie while he's eating his lunch. And it's it's one of these very formulaic movies where there's a girl and a guy. The guy loves the girl. The girl happens to work a minimum wage job, waitress. Um, and he confesses his love to her in the middle of her diner rush. Um, and then she gets fired. And then they're having this conversation about how, like, she needed that job. But then it kind of finally sinks in. Oh, hey, did you say you love me? And then she holds his hand and just says, idiot. And then, boom, directed by Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> uh, if that was a legitimate movie, I would have screamed at the screen. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Of course, it's not, like I said, it's a very formulaic movie, yeah. uh, which is also in itself kind of funny that Kaufman is like, like these are pretty much all rom-coms now. There yeah. You yeah. Um, um, I mean, he's done, he's done a romance movie. Um, but it wasn't Eternal formulaic Sunshine. like that? No, it was Eternal Sunshine. Uh, so <laughs> uh, I don't think he knows how to make a formulaic, and I don't want him to, but... Well, did you know, sidebar, did you know that he actually wrote the first draft of that uh, movie that's coming out, Chaos Walking? I didn't. And then left the project. Uh, so I don't know who wrote the the final version of the movie that were that had been delayed for like three fucking years with Tom Holland and uh, my boy Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, Mads. I do love me some Mads. And uh, Nick Jonas is in it and Daisy Ridley. All right. Um, uh, but anyway, so Jeremy. Are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm really glad you liked this one. Um, yeah, man. And yeah, I'm super stoked for you to see my next pick. We'll talk about it here in a few minutes because it, it, it may take a minute for people to find a place to see it. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, before we talk about that. Yeah, yeah, man. I love, I love the movie. I love the book. And now that I own the book, I mean, I have the audiobook. I can listen, re-listen to the audiobook whenever I want to, but. I for sure definitely want to sit and read the book and see if maybe I can form my own thing. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. Uh, 
once Ashley reads it, I straight up told her, I was like, we will watch it because I am willing to watch this movie again. Um, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, awesome. And speaking of your next pick, which is not no. next week's episode. We'll no. Tell, we'll tell everyone our next week's episode, but your next pick, I feel like I saw it somewhere. Uh-huh. It used to be on Netflix for a while, but they oh. took it off. So. Bastards. Um, yeah. I saw it somewhere on Blu-ray because it just it was like its first release on Blu-ray. Dude, mine was so expensive. It was like $30 on Amazon Oof. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, Jeremy, um, what is your next pick? So, so my next pick, and, and I won't throw up the, the Blu-ray. You can just put the poster up if you want, um, right. is Don Hertzfeld's It's Such a Beautiful Day. Um, this one is, in its representation, you're going to think it's silly, but once you start to get into it and once you watch it, it's, it's going to break your heart. I mean, it's it's such a wonderful movie. I love it so much. And every, it's so short. Every once in a while, I'll just throw it on just to watch it every once in a while. Um, it's about an hour. So if anyone needs a little help understanding what this movie is, you've probably at some point been on YouTube and found a video called Rejected Cartoons. Uh, it's by the same guy. I may put a little still up of the uh, the cloud with his uh, bleeding anus. Uh, oh, okay, great. Because I feel like that's the most famous one in that. Or besides the, my spoon is too big. <laughs> that's my favorite one. Um, um, but yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually excited for that because I've seen it everywhere. You know, I've, uh, and I've always wanted to watch it. And I've always been curious about what it is. It, so it is taking his multimedium artistic style with this traditional, you know, flip uh, animation with his stick figures, right? Mm-hmm. But he adds in photographs. He adds in like physical, like he'll wrinkle the paper and he'll, I mean, it's, once you, it's hard to explain, but once you see it, it's, you're, you're not going to believe it. It, you might cry. Well, I mean, shit, dude. Warrior made me hysterically <laughs> cry. Like, this like one's sad. Like, streaming down my face, like, even wiping them away. I was just like, <gasps> like, yeah. Yeah. This one's sadder than that one. So, <laughs> well, I mean, we did say this is the unofficial season of Downers. So, well, it's my unofficial season of Downers. Um, all right, Rain. So, what's your next pick, man? What's next week? So, next week, um, you know, I feel like we've been talking about this movie a lot, how we'll, how we will eventually do it. We're going to talk about it and we just never get around to it. That's probably true. So next week, we got three actors who are all in Marvel. We got Mark Ruffalo. We I got Robert Downey Jr. I love Robert Downey Jr. Oh my God. We got I'm so excited. Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> next week will be Zodiac. Yes! Um, now we're and, talking. And we'll have a special guest with us next week as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to discuss the film. Um, yeah, man. I remember the first time I watched it. Um, uh, you're going to be mad, but I think you'll also be glad that I, fi- that I did watch it. I saw the poster on Netflix. And I was like, mm-hmm. is that Robert Angie right there? And Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Yeah, it's I was like, all right, I'm going to have to watch this. I put it on and I was in love. I was like, yeah. this movie is awesome. Yeah. It's so well 
written. It is so well directed, so well acted. It is the perfect thriller. In my yeah, I, people have called it the greatest detective film or crime film of the 21st century so far. Yeah, it is. It's phenomenal. It's the movie I've probably seen the most times in my life. Uh, I've seen it well over 20 times. Uh, and you better believe, audience, uh, we will talk about the real Zodiac killer and uh, a lot of that shit next week, too. I know so much about this movie. This is going to be really exciting. Um, hey I knew, uh, I, I knew, I knew you'd uh, be jazzed. Uh, little, little sneak preview. Um, so David Fincher is such a is such a meticulous filmmaker that uh, you could walk onto set into the San Francisco Chronicle set, uh-huh. dig through the stack of newspapers, pull one out from the middle, and read it in its entirety. Um, they didn't cut corners; they were all legitimate newspapers. Really. So and it wasn't like or the day it's supposed to be chronologically that they're shooting. So it wasn't like they just printed the same word over and over again to make it look like paragraphs. Nope. It is really? the actual San Francisco Chronicle paper. Like let's say the day was supposed to be like November twelfth, nineteen sixty-nine. That's the newspaper it's gonna 69? be. Sixty nine? So nice. So I that's ma'am. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. and I feel like I've got some uh, David Fincher movies on my Criterion wish list. I think uh, the game. Yes. The game yes. You told me to put the game on there, so the game yeah. is on. There. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, so Zodiac next week. Yes. Um, we hope everyone enjoyed. I'm thinking of ending things. Um, definitely check out the book. Uh, yeah. I hope it was worth to really really get on to you guys about doing both the book and the movie i hope that was worth it but yeah uh, before i ended i i was posting about like yeah doing some homework for the podcast <laughs> but um i think it was worth it and and guys i think you i think it would help the experience if you did both and like jeremy said you can do either or first either. movie then book or book then movie um we hope you enjoyed. Uh, I know we did our spoiler late, but you know, <laughs> turn us off. If you've made it this far, turn us off now. I mean, it's too late now, but turn us off. Too late now. Go watch the movie, but um, we will see everyone next week for Zodiac. Maybe we could find us a brand new recipe I got a hot rod Ford and a two dollar bill And I know a spot right over the hill There's soda pop and the dancing spree So if you want to have fun, come along with me Say, hey, good looking What you got cooking? How's about cooking something up with me?